everyone. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor McGowan, Senior Wealth Design Specialist at Altius Financial, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Williams, founder and president of Altius Financial. Hey, everybody. So today's episode is buying into business. I feel a ton of my friends have reached out and said, hey, I'm working for a larger company and they're giving me this equity opportunity with this company. And it seems like no one's really getting the detail explained to them as really what that means as an employee or really how to take advantage of that type of opportunity. It's like these companies assume that, okay, you're successful enough to work for this company. You're successful enough to earn or buy into ownership of this company, but I don't need to teach you the process. (laughs) And frankly, I think that's kind of just unrealistic of them to expect that of their employees to just to have that kind of clarity. So our hope with this episode is to provide clarity of some of the basics of buying into business. Mike, do you want to kind of give us a little disclaimer? Just a quick reminder that any discussion we have on our podcast is not meant to be direct or specific advice for any individuals. We recommend reaching out to your financial team if you have one or reaching out to us directly If you're looking for specific investment advice or overall financial consulting, if you're looking for a team, give us a call. 303-584-9271 is our phone number. And you can reach either one of us, taylor at altiusfinancial.com or michael at altiusfinancial.com or our website, altiusfinancial.com. That's A-L-T-I-U-S financial, altiusfinancial, all one word, dot com. So... I kind of titled my first paragraph that I have, I I do a little bit of an outline here and I titled it, So You Want to Be an Owner. (laughs) And I think that's important to discuss with people because I think you hear, oh, I'm working for, I don't know, IBM or Facebook or Google, and they gave me equity options. And I don't think that that comes across to everyone as I'm going to be an owner of this company. You know, it's interesting you mentioned uh, all three of the companies, although IBM's a little older, all three of them are tech companies. And those are the companies that have been more aggressive about incenting their employees with stock options, partly because they're growing companies. And it's easier sometimes for a company that doesn't have a lot of capital, the software or technology companies that don't have huge capital expenditures to, to give incentives in the way of stock options. But that's been a trend for the last 20 or 30 years. That industry was more the leading one to, to give people that kind of an incentive. Well, and, and I think it's interesting to compare because these are all large companies. And this doesn't have to just be with large companies. So like Altius, I work for Altius. We could create stock option type situation or we could create equity for our employees. That's not out of the realm of normal. And there are companies that do have ownership opportunities in a smaller company. The key difference between those is if you're working for a company that's larger and is already what would be considered publicly traded, then you can just go straight into your investment account. You could say, hey, I'm going on to my IRA account at TD Ameritrade by company XYZ because it's already publicly traded. Now, if you're working for a smaller company, then it might look a little different. You might not be able to just go online and trade day to day as you want. It's more of a, how do I earn into this? How do I pay maybe my boss directly or pay someone in HR to make sure I have this kind of specific equity? Yeah, the vast majority of employers out there are small companies that aren't publicly traded. And so it's very difficult to 
have that transaction or have be able to buy in. There are definitely companies that do that. And as many of our clients know, the aspiration of you is to become a, an owner, equity owner in Altius. And we are working on that. But there are small companies who offer that kind of thing. And it just depends on what kind of opportunity there is. More likely than not, we're talking to people who have larger employees who have that kind of an incentive. But it, you know, we're, we're talking about equity ownership, first of all, you know, becoming an owner, someone who has the risk of the business and you know, they can either succeed with the business or, or lose capital with the business. That's the first issue that we want to talk about. Whenever you have ownership in something, that means you get rewarded and penalized or, or you take the risk with that ownership position. Yeah. On a similar note, this is also kind of an opportunity for, from an employer perspective to say, hey, this is a way to make sure that my employees are invested in this business, that they are interested in seeing things expand, seeing us grow as a company, because as you would say, they do have skin in the game. They put their dollars or their effort into the company and they will see that either grow or shrink depending on how things are performing. Definitely. That's the key thing is having overlapping incentives or, or mutual benefit where the company sees that for it to grow, the employees have to have certain kinds of incentives and ownership can be one of the best incentives for that is, you know, people see that and they know their actions will make a difference in terms of how the company goes and therefore their actions will benefit them as well. Yeah. Well, so by now, some of you are probably thinking, okay, well, I, I got my HR packet and it has all this jargon on it. And I don't know what this means. I, I, this is, do you have a grant? Do you have a option? Is it restricted? Is it an incentive stock option? There's all kinds of terminology that you'll see on these forms. And that terminology kind of defines how that option is laid out for you. But it can be very confusing to say, oh, well, I've never heard this before. I, I got to go and Google what does this mean? Or what, what is this change for me? So Mike, do you want to kind of go down the list of some of these and kind of share some of the different ways to be an owner of a company? For well, like you said, the first one is just to buy it on the open market, yeah. uh, you know, just as a publicly traded stock, you know, if you can buy it through a, a brokerage account or wherever it might be. But then the next question is whether you're actually getting awarded stock options or whether you're buying them. Uh, mostly we're talking about incentives that are being provided by the employee. And they're usually boiled down into two types of stock options that companies issue to their employees. One is called non-qualified stock options. And the other one is called incentive stock options. And those really are boiled down to how they're taxed. With the non-qualified stock option, they're taxed most often by the withholdings that are happening at the time you exercise your options. Exercising means you go ahead and say, yeah, okay, I'm taking advantage of that option. And the company just nets out the taxes at that time. So it's not necessarily the case though for incentive stock options. With those, more often than not, you're holding those for a longer time period versus just exercising them. Yeah, so for those, as long as you hold it two years past your grant date and one year past the time you exercise. So depending on your timeline, that could be as short as two years, could be five years, depending on when you actually exercise that holding. But as long as you hold it that long, you should get the long-term capital gains or capital gains tax rates. Yeah, and again, we're talking about in, that, in those cases, those are stock options. There's also such a thing as stock grants, which mm -hmm. means that they're, the employer is actually restricting it, but they're giving you stock 
uh, right off the bat instead of an option to buy stock. So that's, that's one uh, alternative. And then we have the ability to, to be awarded phantom stock, which means that the, the company's paying a future cash bonus equal to the value of a defined number of shares. So they're not really, there's no transfer of ownership at all there. It's basically, and this is why they call it sort of phantom stock, uh, but that it can eventually be convertible to actual shares if there's some kind of trigger event that happens. And then lastly, there's the ability to, to just buy stock through a, an employee stock option plan. Usually that gives people the right to, employees the right to purchase company shares typically at a discount through their payroll. And more, more often than not, we see a 15% discount to the market value, which is a great return. I mean, whenever someone has that kind of option, now obviously it depends on the, the quality of the company, the employer, how the employee feels about working for this company and whether they think it's a, a company that's doing well and, and honest and taking care of being a good steward of capital and a good business. But that can be a pretty good, a pretty good discount, 15% off the marketplace or market price. But there are restrictions in terms of the timing. You can maybe acquire shares at a discount that way, but you can't just sell them whenever you want. You are, you are subject to certain blackout periods. The company has to conform with the IRS rules as far as when, when you can actually dispose of those shares. But that can be a good option to acquire equity or to be able to get you know, a decent savings plan as well. And one thing to keep in mind is the taxability on the type of options that you are exercising. And even to take a step back, I think you've probably heard Mike and I both use the word exercise quite a bit. I do want to clarify to you all. So essentially what happens is you are what is called granted something. Now, maybe you're granted an option to buy or sell, or you're granted an actual grant, which is essentially something that you've earned already. But the grant date is just saying, this is when you were told that you're allowed to have this. Exercising is essentially saying, okay, they said I could buy this and now I'm choosing to buy this on this date. And oftentimes there's what is called a vesting schedule. So that is when you become eligible to own something. For 401k accounts, that's probably where you'll see this the most common. So for those of you who maybe don't have stock options, here's the point to listen up. If your retirement account at your employer says you have a six-year vesting schedule or a four-year vesting schedule, that will tell you when you actually own the employer-contributed portion of that account. Now, for stock options, this just tells you when you're eligible to make that purchase. And oftentimes, it's similar with years or months kind of thing. Yeah, and that's another good point in terms of timing. You can have, oftentimes there's an expiration date and that's the date by which you must exercise the option mm-hmm. or else they expire and, and you lose any kind of value that was associated with them. Yeah, but kind of where I started at that whole thing with is I was going to say, you want to make sure if you are receiving any kind of benefit. So if, like Mike said, oftentimes option type offers are providing like a 15% discount on the current market price that 15% is likely taxable. So you need to see, are you paying taxes on that now when you exercise that option? Are you gonna have to pay in this calendar year? Or is that something that can be deferred until later on? And depending on how that's set up, it will definitely impact your tax impact for the year. So when you're exercising, again, we're talking about stock options in this case, there's usually a few different ways a person could potentially exercise stock options. The, the obvious one is they can pay cash. 
So the option is a right to buy the stock at a certain price, and you can come up with the cash and and send it to the brokerage firm who's handling those options. And you know, you you pay for it, and then you receive the the shares, and you can keep them or sell them. You can do what's called a cashless exercise, where you're basically actually exercising the options and selling in basically the same transaction. You're selling enough of the shares to cover the purchase price. Yeah. So the brokerage firms is making this happen simultaneously and you're left with X number of shares after that's netted out the, the price that you paid for them. And yeah. then thirdly, you can often do a stock swap where you send in a certificate for a certain amount of shares. Uh, might be you're holding the certificate or more likely it's being held at the brokerage firm you're with which is the equivalent to the current market price. And you're basically netting out that, that stock to buy the additional options or exercise the options. Yeah. And that, that last one, that's where you would sell all of them, correct? Not so necessarily. You could do a stock swap where you're, you own certain shares and you're basically swapping them out, but there is a tax impact and you're, you're swapping them out to buy some additional shares at a different price. Um, okay. You're deciding to keep some, that are left over if you want. Okay. The biggest thing is, I mean, it can be kind of an abstraction to say, well, I have value here, even though I haven't done anything. My company yeah. is granted these options and I don't have ownership until I exercise the option. But just that fact that I can exercise the option because the market has changed since the time that they granted those options now I might have value. And the question is, well, okay, what do I want to do with that value? Do I want to own those shares or do I want to very quickly exercise, own the shares briefly and sell them at the current market price and pay taxes or, you know, some other option. Oftentimes the question is, you know, should you keep it? And one of the major tenets that we kind of hound our clients on is diversification. Diversification is a principle in investing. If you don't know what's going to happen, then you want to diversify. If you know what's going to happen, if you know how the world's going to be in the next day or 365 days or the next 30 years, then you know if you have that kind of clear crystal ball, then you should not necessarily diversify. You should concentrate. Again, I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek because no one's smart enough to know how the world's going to be even in the next 24 hours necessarily with regard to stock prices, certainly not necessarily 30 years. So that's a long-winded way of saying if you're with an employer, that means you're in a sense concentrated with your financial future anyway, because you're earning income from that specific employer at the time. And that may mean you're taking some risk with that employer being there in the first place. Sometimes employees will get wealthier by concentrating their stock purchases or options their ability to exercise options with the same firm, but that does mean they're taking more risk. And whenever you have both your earning income and a large portion of your net worth in terms of stocks that are dependent upon one company, one employer, then if something happens to that company, then your future financial security could be in jeopardy as well. And that's, you just want to keep an eye on that. And certainly for corporate executives, middle and higher level management who begin to acquire significant portions of their net worth and their company, they have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. On that same note. So how much is too much? I think we had a discussion before of like, oh, what, what would it be like to start your own business from scratch? And I think if you're starting a business from scratch, then you're the hundred percent equity owner. And that's probably most, you're probably paying out, taking in debt. And most of your equity is probably in that business. But I think if you're not a small business owner or a newly minted entrepreneur, what's the reasonable amount to have 
or to exercise of these? Like it, if you're getting paid out every year, should you put a percent of your salary or what would be your strategy for our listeners? So I think it's crucial to, first of all, acknowledge that every person's situation is different yeah. and, and you have to take into account someone's circumstances and their risk tolerance. You know, are they just starting out and, and getting stock options and, and they're younger and have longer timeframes to be able to make mistakes or take risk and see if they would pay off? versus being closer to retirement and are they wanting to make sure they're not blowing it, you know, not blowing up their retirement. But we, you know, we have certain rules about how much exposure you do take. You know, when we're buying equity positions for, for our client portfolios, we, you know, go in the two, usually twos at the very low end, maybe 5% type of position of someone's portfolio or account up to 10 or 15%. But once someone's going above 15% of a, an account or net worth into a specific company, that can be fairly concentrated and that may mean they're taking risks. Now, again, there are plenty of people out there who have you know, 20, 30, 40% of their net worth involved in one company. And I'm one of those people. I mean, I have, you know, when we talk about the value of whatever Altius is and what my net worth is, you know, it's a significant portion of my net worth. Over time, I've taken my own advice, thankfully, at least mostly, <laughs> and diversified into, first of all, the kind of portfolios that we put together for our clients, you know, because I, I basically believe in them. And that's why I put my money alongside of our clients, as well as other kind of diversification tactics, you know, having rental properties or something, things like that. But that's a long-winded way to say every personal situation is different. But if someone's going, you know, beyond 15 or 20% of their net worth, all subject to one company, they should be doing that consciously. Yeah. And again, it depends on how confident they are in the company. People can't necessarily act upon inside information, but they can, if they know or have confidence in the company itself, that's reasonable to say, well, I'm okay with that kind of risk. I'm okay you know, exercising more stock and not selling it off, but, but accumulating wealth that's inside of this company or the equity that I own is concentrated more in the company that I work for. Yeah, well, in, in the same sense, you want to be aware of any kind of liquidity issue you might have. So are there any parameters around, like for instance, if it's an ISO, you need to be prepared that it's going to take you at least two years of holding that before you're going to have some tax consequences. So maybe you're not wanting to invest into that quite yet. If you need those funds to pull out pretty quickly for, I don't know, a car or something that you have going on in your life at this point. That's a good point. You know, liquidity is a huge, huge issue is what are the kinds of goals or needs or reserves that you need to have for unforeseen circumstances and making sure you have the liquidity. And, and as you have mentioned a few times, you know, the taxes are crucial on this kind of thing. Um, a person can end up paying more taxes than they realize. They maybe get excited about the appreciation that's happened in the company, but whenever there's good news in finances, there's the bad news of the IRS sticking their hand out saying they want to cut and people have to be aware of that in terms of timing and being able to pay the taxes. Yeah, definitely. I think as you would say, don't let the tax tail wag the dog, but you definitely want to be aware. You don't want to get to the end of the year and have a huge tax bill that you're not prepared to cover. And then you have to sell more of your investments just to pay out the IRS. Absolutely. And that phrase is a good one. It, it, you know, it doesn't mean don't pay attention to taxes because they're crucial. With capital gains taxes right now as high as 20% and going higher potentially, and income tax rates being in the high 30s 
to low 40s, depending upon your income and potentially going higher. That's a significant part of the decision, but no one is in the 100% tax bracket. And so we want to make fundamentally sound financial decisions first and then make sure we're aware of what the tax consequences are after that. Yeah, definitely. So kind of jumping a little back on our agenda. So why would, why would anyone want to do this? Like, why would I want to buy company equity? Well, that's a broad question. And, and <laughs> so why would anyone want to buy stock period? Right. And yeah. maybe you're, you know, kind of setting this up for me to, to answer my big, you know, the big picture question. If you want, you know, there, there are only so many places to invest your money in terms of categories, big picture categories. And again, we sometimes say, don't say stocks, you know, don't, don't even think in terms of stocks, think in terms of businesses. So why would anyone want to own a business? And that's where I come back and say, well, that's businesses are the best way to grow and preserve your wealth because businesses are human minds, you know, solving problems and offering products and services that people want to buy. And that's, that's value. You know, if you've got people out there, there's a lot of people out there and they want to buy stuff and you're solving their problems by giving them a solution, then you've got value. And, and that is the, the very best way to, to preserve and grow your wealth, assuming you have a good idea and a value that, you know, a business that will be enduring. And there are lots of businesses that have endured for a while and then be, they become obsolete. So you have, again, you have to diversify some, but stocks are the best way to over time, over long periods of time, grow and preserve your wealth. Um, that's why someone would want to do it in the abstract. The question is, would they want to do it using one of these options vehicles or taking advantage of their own specific company that they're working for, it'd be the same thing. They believe in the company. Yeah. They believe in the future of that company. Or maybe not so long-term, they might be thinking, you know, there's been short-term good appreciation, but that usually ends up being riskier. Yeah. When you're shooting for a, whenever you're shooting for a shorter term, maybe higher growth return, that means you are taking risk and you have the potential of losing more. Well, and kind of similarly, if you know anything about the company, like if you're saying, hey, I just created the cure to cancer and it's owned by my company and we've got the next cure to the next type of cancer down the line and we already know we're in row for all of this. If you know that there's going to be some kind of growth or if you believe in the work that you're doing, you believe in the purpose of your business, then it could be a good option for you to invest your money there. Similarly, Uh, though, on the opposite side, if if you're going to work every day going, gosh, I'm surprised they haven't put a foreclosure sign on our business and, oh, I don't know, but, oh, they just offered me these stock options. That is when you maybe want to run the other way. I think people might hear the the phrase stock option and think, oh, this is this great thing. This is me becoming more of an adult and being invested in my business. You want to be cognizant of what is a good investment. If you've got a great company, they're doing great things, they've got good revenue, wonderful employees, good purpose, that is a good investment. Well, potentially, potentially. (laughs) That's a good company, right? Yeah, that's a good company. Not all great companies are great (laughs) investments. That's where you have to go back and say, okay, does it have all those attributes? They're solving problems. They've got great products and services. Employees are happy. They're being compensated well. All that thing is, all that's going great. Mm -hmm. But then everyone recognizes that and prices it into the stock which means maybe it's you know fully priced or maybe it's even overpriced in terms of it as an investment. Maybe a great company, but not such a great investment based on the current price. Yeah. 
and that's exactly. that's another point that people need to take into account all those all those things have to be still boiled down to the pricing mechanism is it worth this yeah. is it is it looking too far into the future and, and pricing perfection you know and, and we've seen that before we've seen that before in tech companies where people think that technology companies or a specific technology company might be just has such a great product and it's they're just bringing in so much cash and they don't have that much in the way of capital outlays and everything's going great and they're going to take over the world. And then, well, maybe another tech company decides to, to compete with them and, and they don't do as well. So yeah. you're right about, you know, the, the reasons, and, and you mentioned this already, the, the pride of ownership, people being part of a great team and, and wanting that. And sometimes the employer, they can't legally put pressure on someone, but sometimes they actually do see if someone's willing to invest in the company themselves, then they see that employee is more loyal. So it's yeah. sort of a tangible representation of how they see the, the relationship between themselves as an employee and their employer. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. We touched on, do you want to be an owner? Having an option to be an equity owner in your company, that makes you a, a part owner. What kind of tips and tricks, what kind of accounts could you be getting into like went over the non-qualified stock options, the ISOs, the grants, the phantom stock, employee stock purchase. So we covered quite a few of those. We also covered how much should you invest? Do you throw everything in this? Probably not everything, unless you're a small business owner or unless you know, unless like Mike said, if you know, you can concentrate, but most people don't know everything. And then why would you do this? What is the purpose to, to be invested in a company or to have any kind of equity in general? Yeah, I think that's a good overview. You know, we could obviously drill down deeper, but uh, we're going long in the tooth here. I'd say if anyone listening has stock options or has questions around their company benefit program and wants to get a, an opinion or need some advice around that, they should definitely give us a call. I want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. Just a quick reminder, we're now in week 24 of our 53-week challenge. It's amazing. It's June already. No. We, we're inviting you to follow, like, and friend us on Instagram and Facebook. All the platforms are saved as Altius Financial, and it's typed as all one word. And you can, you can usually see our logo as the profile picture for Instagram or Facebook or those kinds of social media. This week's challenge has been to prepare for wedding season. This is tailored for Taylor. <laughs> Although she's very well prepared for the wedding season. Love is in the air. And I know the last thing we all want to stress over is any kind of wedding budget, especially as a wedding guest. It can be great to be prepared for potential travel activity, gifting expenses over the summer festivities. We're planting a few seeds here for you, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and our, our thoughts are beyond just those who are getting married. So as you can tell, Mike is hinting, I will be getting married this wedding season, but it's expenses for any kind of anyone who's attending as well. Is it, do you have to fly to your cousin's wedding? So that's maybe some travel costs, some airline flights, maybe a rental car. I doubt they're going to pay for all of your meals. So maybe they've got your dinner covered, but you might need breakfast that morning. <laughs> so we want to make sure people are cognizant of that and thinking, okay, how can I enjoy this season to the fullest without finding myself in debt? Yeah, that's the, this week's topic. And we, hopefully you're following along with the 53-week challenge. We, we've set up weekly incremental steps you can take to feel more confident, to make more progress in your own plan. 
And if you're interested in, in setting up a financial plan or having a broader discussion or have any questions, comments, or suggestions for our future podcasts, please do reach out to us directly at michael at altiusfinancial.com or taylor at altiusfinancial.com. And you can, again, check out our website. Thanks for joining us. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thank you.